friends and closings. I'm Bea Kaplan. And I am Jenny Olson Payton. And we have a lot to unpack in this episode. We do, but I want to take a moment. Okay. I went to bask in the glow of your t-shirt. Oh, my t-shirt. Yes. Oh, How amazing is that? Yeah, we, we, we can't, we can't forget that. We can't. No. Oh, yes. I got all of them. That's awesome. A little bit of, I feel like you're somewhere in here. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like, this was a Venn diagram. <laughs> that would be Jenny. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, 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 that's a good diagram there. <laughs> we, just, we just turned the Golden Girls mathematical. I am super impressed. And neither one of us are. I'm just seeing that like gif where the woman's like, but there's all the like equations going that's around. Us. That's right now. Awesome. Yes. All right. Awesome. Yes. Got all right. it. Got it. Thoroughly bask. Thoroughly bask. All right. Well, that's good. All right. So that's one thing out of the way. Second thing out of the way is we're not going to talk about real estate at the end of this. We have some, you know, our brokers are like having a panic attack right now. They're both like, are they, they leaving real estate? Are they really leaving real estate? We're out. We're done. Peace. No. We are still real estate agents. We are still brokers. <laughs> not yet. Almost. Somebody's waiting for my marriage license so I can renew my license. Well, we're wish we're not wishful thinking. We are forecasting. Yes. That you will be a broker. Yes. By the end of the month. Yeah. We are hoping I will be a broker. So yes, no, we're good. We're good. There's we're no... still in real estate. We're just we listen to feedback. Yep. Um, and we're going to make some changes to our podcast. But stay tuned. Yes. So that's another thing. Yep. So I'm excited about the changes. I think they're going to be good. Okay. So we're just kind of flipping the format. So it'll be um. Well, we can't talk about it now. We talked about it later. Sorry. Because the next thing that we need to talk about is. The issue I have with you. I am just and you're shitless all over the place today. <laughs> you're texting me yesterday <laughs> saying I have an unsolved case. And there was no LOL or emoji or anything like that. Did you it. not get the Britney but, Spears? Oops, I did it again. I could I could <laughs> hear that from you. And then I like met all right because you never responded. I'm like, oh, no, she's mad at me. Is that if I ever go missing, I'm gonna be a terrible missing person because I, I never responded back and you'd be like, she's not dead, she's just being Dia. I am pretty good about reading it though. I'm like, there's there's usually been a couple of times in which I'll be like, okay, this kind of is going beyond the normal time in which you don't respond to me. <laughs> so should I worry? And then after that is always the text of oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. So, yes. Okay. I, I need those texts every once in a while. Are you still alive? Yeah. 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 We're keeping her in line. Don't worry. So, got to. so yes. So yeah, this is unsolved. But mm, this better be a big but. It is a big but. It is a big but. So I was in Louisville. Because <laughs> <laughs> break. I can see that entire song. You don't know. And then I can also <laughs> sing the new the Anaconda version with uh, Nicki Minaj. Oh. Uh, yeah, so that's actually going to be what follows our podcast. Yeah, is that's what you're staying tuned for. Stay tuned. For certain dance. Sir Jenny a lot. <laughs> I like it. Um, and did you ever see the Ellen? Um, Ellen does a video. I'll have to post it on our Facebook page. Okay. Ellen does a video where she's like in the Nicki Minaj video. And of course, Nicki Minaj. Did you see the Nicki Minaj? No. And hot, okay. It's epic. There's a lot of, speaking of big butts, there's a lot of those. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, so Ellen puts herself in there, like with dancing with Nicki, Nicki Minaj, and it is that's fantastic. Literally the funniest thing I've ever seen. That would be like us doing that. It would be. It would be. Can we do that? I and I can. How are your editing skills? Bad. <laughs> but even better. 
We're going campy. We're going campy. Yeah, that, that's a great way to, to explain my editing skills. <laughs> I can't do with a side of my professional. <laughs> Let's promote our businesses. <laughs> but anyway, focus. Focus. Because we are going to talk about a very epic case. It, it has to be epic if it's unsolved and you're doing it. Yes. Yes. Mm. So I was in Louisville. To hurt my heart. It was not to hurt your heart. I was in Louisville okay. last year for the fish festival. For the fish festival. And yes, I don't even know what it's technically called. I just call it a fish festival. It's called a fish convention. It's a fish festival. It's an ACA. It's the American Cichlid Association. <laughs> fish convention. I am so sorry. I didn't mean to offend all the fishists out there. Well, what's great is there is a that. Did you say that? Did I see, send you the video of the auction that night? Yes, you did. I get videos and yeah. photos throughout the whole thing. It's fun. So we're talking standing room only. They're walking around with a bottle of Tito's and a bottle of fire uh, for a fireball. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's called the Babes Auction, and Babes is the bitches, which are the babes in the cichlid hobby. So it's that it's the babes auction. So it is insanity. I can't even. I had this guy, and then I was like, Yeah, I saw your before and after of you with fireball. <laughs> that, that was me and dad. If my dad and I like, he did a shot of, of tequila, and I did a shot of fireball. But for some reason, there's something about me that attracts um, very drunk men. And so I had a couple of people, and we're not talking like, I mean, it was like people that would tell me their life story. It was very like you have that aura about you. Yeah. So even to the point where my son, who was with me, he like tried to switch me spots a couple of times because I was making him nervous because there were guys that were telling me about their fish collection in a very drunk way, and it was it was pretty funny. Fish collection. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten those fish collection pictures before. <laughs> Louisville. So when I was in Louisville, I was like, okay, I need to find a local crime that I can cover because I like that idea. Yeah. So I was looking, there's not a lot. I mean, there's, there's a lot in Louisville and some of them are, I mean, there was a couple of child abuse cases. I mean, there's, there was a lot to unpack, but the two biggest ones that really stood out, actually the one biggest one, because this, I don't think is very well covered, um, is Hell House, which is um, the Louisville Hell House. Okay. which is a bunch of different murders that kind of happened over the years in this one house. Ooh. Um, so it's kind of a haunted, scary one. Which um, you know how I feel about that. Which I know how you feel about that. So those are going to be the two choices. But the reason how are there only two choices in all of entire, all of Louisville, there's only been two murders ever. One's creepy, one's unsolved. <laughs> That's all Jenny had. <laughs> those are my choices, David. Okay. Um, so I wanted, but I, I came across this story and I'm like, okay, this, even though it's unsolved, this woman's name needs to be said a bunch because she is, you know, we always try to be that podcast. We, that kind of podcast where we like, um, really focus on the victim and give them a voice mm -hmm. and yes, because it's so important. And this lady was a light amongst a really, in, in a really dark time. And, um, unfortunately somebody, you know, snuff that light out yeah and there are not enough bad words to say about the person or people that did it really so i think by the time it's all said and done you will be like okay now i see why you chose this 
because part of this is that we want to give voices to people that don't have voices. Mm -hmm. And for somebody that's given back this much to her community, that her story needs to be told. All right. Even if it pisses you off, yeah. Lead the way. Okay. I'm willing to change my mind. So there's a lot of reading in this one because there's a lot of like crazy names. Um, but this is the story about Alberta Odell Jones. Um, she was born in Louisville, Kentucky on November 12, 1930 to Sadie Crawford and um, Odell Jones. In 1951, uh, not a lot is told about her, her past up until college. Okay. Um, there really, I couldn't find anything. But in 1951, she graduated third in her class at the Kentucky uh, University of Kentucky. Wow. 1951. 1958, she's the first African-American woman to study at the University, at the University of Louisville Law. Wow. Right. 1958, or 56, I'm sorry. 56, okay. In 58, she transferred to Howard University, which is considered one of the black Ivy League colleges mm -hmm. um, on, in Washington, D.C., um, where she graduated fourth in her class. Oh, my goodness. So we're talking driven. a smart cookie. Yes. Smart, driven cookie. Love her to death. Um, when she came back from law school, a lot of people told her, hey, you have two strikes against you. You're not only a woman, you're an African-American woman. Mm -hmm. Okay? In the 50s. So this is what she says, and I gotta get this right. Um, yeah, but I've got one strike left. And I've seen people get home runs where all they have is one one. I butchered that. Yeah, but I've got one strike left, and I've seen people get home runs when all they have left is one strike. Wow. Okay. So so that's what she told people yes. when they told her, you know, hey, you know, it's you've got two things against you. She's like, I have this. Yeah. So um I like this ass. I like yes. her already. I, she's great. In 1959, she became one of the first African-American women to pass the Kentucky bar, and she decided to open an office in downtown Louisville. Her own office? Her own office. She had a business partner, but she was kind of the driving force in that. And this is in 1959? Yep. So she's, so this, she's like 29-ish? Yes. Opening her own business mm -hmm. as an African-American woman. In the South. In the South in, in the, the 1950s. Ooh, yes. This woman is. Yes. See, I'm it's telling you. Okay, I'm telling you. So she became the first lawyer uh -huh. for Cassius Clay, otherwise known as Muhammad Ali, and negotiated his very first contract. And I bet it was an amazing. I mean, I so far, I'm thinking she nailed it. Yeah, I yeah, I have no doubt whatsoever. Um, so she's badass, and I love her. Um, so she is a member of the Fall City. She was a member of the Fall City Bar Association. She served as the secretary of the Louisville Bar Association. She was at the American Bar Association. And here's where we get, we're going to have to pull from every fiber of my one year in sorority. Okay. She was the Eta Zeta chapter of the Zeta Phi Beta sorority. Oh. And she was also in the Sigma chapter of the Iota Phi Lambda sorority. My Duolingo would be very impressed with you right now. <laughs> Um, she participated in the 1963 civil march, march marches in Louisville, and then she also participated in the March on Washington, August 28th of 1963. And I'm sure she was leading them. At this point, I feel like she was pretty probably in the front. She was yeah. probably telling yeah. them, you need to go over there. Yeah. Martin Luther King gave her a little salute. I, I think that she gave Martin Luther King directions on how to, <laughs> how to have a march. Yes, that's exactly right. So she was... So there's a couple of things that really stood out during her time, not only the Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, but other than all of the records that she's breaking and yeah. all the boundaries. She's okay. just like, check, check, you know, yes. here I am. All the associations, no, please tell me more about <laughs> what makes her great. I'm not convinced yet. <laughs> so 
Um, the biggest thing is that she recognized that there was a huge issue with African-American voters not having their voices heard in, in the, um, you know, when they needed a vote. So what she because did- they had just recently- Yeah, well, and we're talking, we're talking South and these, you know, I have social anxiety. I mean, like I go into those voting booths, I'm like, what if I push the wrong thing? What if I put this somewhere, you know? And so she actually rented a machine, brought it into her offices, and hosted seminars on, she called them how to vote for your candidate. So we're talking not even like- She didn't make it political. No, she made it, this is, I'm going to teach you how to do this so that you're comfortable because we are still talking the 1950s. We're talking, there's pictures surfacing of some jacknut pouring bleach in a pool where a little Mm -hmm. African-American girl swims. I mean, we're talking a really crappy time. And I'm sure that there was a certain, maybe maybe it wasn't actually given, but I'm sure some of them- thought that people were giving them attitude about having to learn about the machines. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. just even going into votes yeah, 100%. would be hard enough, but then you don't even know how to do it. So good for her. Yeah. And, and not even, don't make it political. Your voice needs to be heard. Well, recognizing it's an issue at all. I mean, like how forethought, I mean, so many people don't think about things like to that level. Yeah. You know, it's something as simple as we need to educate these people on how to do it. And she did it. She did it. Well, of course she did. All so right. that caused, oh, so this, this is the other funny thing. So in the things that I've read, most of the article said that she was responsible for getting 6,000 African-American voters. Okay. okay. One of the other articles said, only one other article said she was responsible for 600,000. So 6,000 seems a little low, 600,000 seems a little high. So I'm just going to say in the middle somewhere, she got, she got a lot. She got a lot. She got a lot of people. But that actually, even if she only got six, yeah. that's, yeah. a difference you're making a difference yeah. but it shook up the political landscape okay. to the point where segregation got into it ended segregation good so it wow. was so louisville segregation so she's single-handedly <laughs> yeah. Good for her. yeah i'm sure she had help but man she was a driving force yeah yeah driving force okay so she also established and we know this is dear near and dear to my heart she also established something called the james bulky welsh fund um, bulky. Yeah, and that's his nickname. I don't know. I mean, I. Oh, well, it could be worse because okay. she actually did the first GoFundMe essentially and raffled off a car because Mr. Welsh tried to save his dog that was stuck under a train and lost both oh. of his arms. Oh, he went from being bulky to somebody. <laughs> I know. So I'm like, it could be worse. It could be like, okay. yeah. Um, we do know me. We do. We save the dog. We do know what my Google is. <laughs> um, so most of the articles say that he was trying to save his dog. Mm. A couple of the articles said he saved his dog. So we're going to go with he saved he his did. dog. He did. He did. The dog is um, living happily alive. Still the today. world is talking. And yes. In our world. Of this he's podcast, a year old dog. He is. And he is living his best life. And he's going to be next guest. Next week's guest. Okay. So. Um, so we know, you know, if, if you don't love her up to that point, I already love her. I know she's my new favorite person. Wait. So, okay. Uh, after Dia, yeah, there we go. In 1964, she became the first woman of any race to be appointed the city attorney in Jefferson County, which is where Louisville is. Wait, like, so she is like 34-ish at this point. And again, I keep coming back to she. So she's a young black female in the South. Shaking as, up as the prosecuting attorney. 
Um, she's the appointed city attorney. City. She does become, in 1965, she was appointed prosecuting attorney for the Domestic Relations Court. Um, again, she was the first person of color to be put in that position. Um, unfortunately, it made her responsible for prosecuting white men who are beating their wives. Okay, so now we have a young black female. Like, what was that one podcast with all the last names? The last names have for me. <laughs> in the South. In the 60s. In the 60s, prosecuting angry white men with anger issues. I mean, that had to put a target on our head, but I don't feel like there was anybody better to do it than her already. Yep, no, um, yeah, absolutely. So only a few months after she was named prosecuting attorney, um, she was found dead. Oh. I know. So Jones lived with her mom and her sister. Um, of course she did. Yeah. No man's going to hold her down. She's like, I, you know what? I have my family. We're good. We're good. Yeah. And this is a heartbreaking. Her sister has actually been very, um, has tried to help a lot with the case. Um, her, she and her sister were very close. Um, her sister had always described her Alberta as like her person. Oh. Um, but so she started going well, on the night that this happened, she was, um, Alberta was sitting there reading the, an article about the Kennedy assassination. Um, and her sister walked by and one of the last things that was said, um, her sister's name is Flora Shanklin. And she recalls the last conversation in which Alberta turned to her and said, I hope I don't get assassinated. And I said, do you don't worry about it. You're not the president of the United States. That was the last thing they said to each other. Oh, no. Yep. But that has to be a really uh, valid fear that yeah. she would have because, again, she has all of these strikes against her. She's making angry white men angrier. Yeah. Yeah. In the South. In the South. In a time where things are, unfortunately, crimes against the Black communities can sometimes go completely unchecked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, so later that night, when your sister was bed, her mom was up with her. And um, later that night, Alberta got a phone call. We're talking 10.30-ish mm -hmm. um, from a friend of hers named Gladys Wyckoff. Um, and apparently, Gladys was getting ready to sue her beautician and wanted some advice on the lawsuit in the process. So Alberta said to her, you know, hey, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm a prosecuting attorney. You know, let's get you with somebody else. You're not an angry white man. <laughs> uh, and Gladys's response was, well, you've become uppity since you've taken the job as the prosecutor. So that, of course, was a trigger for um, Alberta, and she agreed to meet her, and she was never seen again. So by 7 o'clock the next morning, um, her mom was up worried about her all night. Um, 7 o'clock the next morning, her mom called Miss Wyckoff's house and um, got her daughter, Gladys's daughter, and her daughter said, oh, mom's in the city getting some, they're taking care of some business. At 7 o'clock in the morning. And that's kind of what the mom said, said, okay, well, have her call me back the second she gets in. Which should be very quickly, you would think, because no places, no businesses are, I mean, businesses are barely open in 2022. Yeah. Yeah, 2022, and let alone, you know, 1961 city, uh, or I'm sorry, 1965. Um, so by 8.30, she went ahead and called the police and reported her missing. Okay. Unfortunately, later that day, they found her body in the Ohio River, and they found her rental car parked a few blocks away from- Because she auctioned off her car for something. Probably. Something <laughs> okay. Probably. Um, so they found in her rental car, they found um, some blood. Um, mm. they, there was a lot of evidence that was taken and then unfortunately um, either lost. There's there's a lot, there's a lot of questions about why this was unsolved. Okay. Um, so they found the body, they found some blood in it. And then three years later, under the Sherman Minton Bridge, they found her purse hanging. 
In what kind of condition? It was everything was intact. Uh, there, the credit cards were still in there. Her checks were still in there. So it's almost like somebody just went back to hang it up. It, that's what, and I couldn't get that answer. And that's, it almost seems to me like it would be the only other thing because they actually said, so she had been, the autopsy results showed that she'd been beaten in the head and knocked unconscious. Mm -hmm. And then a witness saw three men throwing a body off of a boat ramp into the water. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like she was close to the bridge, but it, but her purse shouldn't have fallen over. I didn't get the sense her purse like got caught on something on the way down. So they Ooh. never really brought in any information on that. So they just know that her purse was found. Um, the case unfortunately starts going kind of cold. And, um, you know, that's kind of, that's obviously problematic for the family. They're trying to figure out what's going on. You know, there's a lot of questions about the fact that, you know, if this was a white prosecuting attorney, I mean, like, you think about any prosecuting attorney that gets murdered or anything like that, everybody does everything to try to find out the answer. Yeah. So why are you trying? Yeah. Why don't we have these answers? Yeah. Okay. So we really don't have a lot of history on the case until um, 2008. So it just kind of fizzles. Fizzles. Yeah. But did they talk to Gloria? Like, was Gloria part of it? Or um, was she it was like, of... they were not able to get a hold of her at first. And because uh, she was in the city. And she was in the city. She was in the city. And then they just let it drop. I mean, there's such a huge gaping hole where so much of this evidence should be. So, so we don't even know if Gladys was coincidence or she was part of it. Okay, you said until. So, until you said there's a huge gaping hole. Until. Oh, until, until yes, she does have. I mean, it does get better. All right. So, in 2008, the FBI matched a fingerprint they had with a. 17-year-old boy at the time. He was 17 years old in 1960. A fingerprint from the, the car. The car. The from the evidence yep. that they got from the car. Yep, from the evidence they got from the car. Okay. So so they they kind of reopened the case then. Uh, they didn't yet. Okay. Um, so they ended up bringing the the then gentleman in because we're talking 65 to 2008. Mm -hmm. um, he failed the polygraph. And mm -hmm. um, within a couple months, the prosecuting attorney decided he was not going to reopen the case. And he said specifically because of the fact that so many of the witnesses and investigators that were working on the case were dead. Oh, yes. Because so much time passed. Yes. So we fast forward a little more time okay. to a woman named Lee Remington. Lee Remington has really become her Alberta's voice in all of this. Okay. So she started her investigation in 2013. And the reason that she became so enamored with this case was when she was a student at um let's see what's okay she is the at now or she is the associate professor of political science at bell bellarmine university and pre-law program director so she's oh. the one that's doing all this research so i'm, I'm telling you there's like a lot of there's a lot of words in here um so when she was a undergraduate student there were all these portraits on the wall where she was walking down the halls and alberta was of course the only woman not only the only african-american woman mm -hmm. So she saw the picture, she grew up watching, you know, she went through college just looking at this. And there's an inscription at the bottom with all the stuff that she did, all her civil rights things that she did. And then that it was she general was badassery. Yes, general badassery. Um, and then that she was murdered and it was unsolved. So she became this like, it was like her life mission to try to figure this out. Mm. So 2013, she ends up opening her own case. Um, she reaches out to a family friend of the Joneses, and um he had he did an open. Uh, what was it? What was it called? An open 
records search request and was able to get a list of all of the evidence that had been collected. Oh. Okay, so let me read you some of these things that were collected. A tremendous amount of evidence was collected in this case. Fingerprints, vacuum samples from every inch of the car by the FBI, blood samples, her purse and all of its contents, her dentures, cigarette butts from the car, her shoes and her clothes. All of that evidence is now missing. Where did it go? It's missing. It was missing. It was missing. It was it's missing, yeah. That's what she's that's what Lee is saying. She's like, where did it go? And she could not get a definitive answer where any of it went. So they have a list of what was collected, but, but they, they don't, don't have, have the collection. But they have the collection in 2008. With the fingerprints. With the fingerprints. Yes. So there's an, and I'm a huge supporter of the police. We're talking a very different time. We're talking the 1960s. But there are some big gaping holes here that I would think that something else would have come up by now. I get it in the 60s, but you're not talking that long ago as far as reopening it or looking through yeah. the stuff again. Even just being open enough to say they really messed it up in the 60s, we're going to try and rectify that now. Yes. Yep. No, and that's that's not what's going on. Even if they're not trying to cover up anything now, stop trying to just keep it under the rug. Yep. So Lee Remington is saying that within 10 minutes, she found two major discrepancies in the records, mm. um, including the fact that they were told, if you remember, the reason they didn't open the case up again in 2008 was because the investigators and the witnesses were dead. Yeah, they were not. They were actually alive. What? So Lee Remington figured that out. Oh, so. no. In 2016, um, a Sergeant Josh Carr, who worked for the Louisville Homicide Unit, was interviewed on this case. And his response was, homicides remain open until there was an arrest made or a clearance of some sort. Carr said in an interview with the Washington Post, over 50 plus years, that case has been worked on by multiple detectives. There are detectives who have worked tirelessly on that case and the case is not closed. So he's claiming the case is not closed. Good. Okay. Good. So hopefully there's hopefully there's kind of a difference of opinion. But the, but the attorney said there were. Yeah. But in all fairness, I can kind of get that because if the attorneys don't have enough to yeah. prosecute and in all reality, a fingerprint yep. isn't enough to. In a polygraph, yeah. And if yeah. we know how polygraphs go, yeah. it's not a good look to fail one. No. But no, so that was in 2016. Right. So in 2017, Lee Remington wrote that letter to where she was lay, laying out all the evidence. Mm -hmm. She basically wrote them a letter begging them to reopen the case. Mm -hmm. So that mixed with the fact that here's another one um, the Emmett Till Unsolved Civil Rights Crime Act <laughs> helped fund. Um, the reopening of the case. The case was able to be reopened. Okay. So this Emmett Till Unsolved Civil Rights Crime Act um, provides $13 million annually to the Department of Justice to basically get back in there, re-look re at some of the cases and push for convictions on okay. um, of anything pre-1970s. Very cool. So, so between those two things, it got reopened. So they are Reading so now it's considered active again. That's what everything I read says. Good. Yeah, so that's good. We need to find this out. I'm very bothered by this. I know. I know. So I'm feeling that this is one of those things that's going to be, I'm going to study and keep an eye on, yeah. um, which will be really good. So um, where does that lead us now? So one of the things I think is, so Lee Remington and Laura Shanklin Kind of became friends in all of this. Flora, if you remember, is his sister. Mm -hmm. um, and so, if you have you ever been to Louisville? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So it's really kind of fun because I was driving through Louisville and there's all these like banners hanging off the buildings. And like I'm driving through the highway, there's one that says Jennifer's Louisville. And I'm like, what the hell is Jennifer Lawrence? And I guess okay. she's from Louisville. And then, you know, I suppose like there's Muhammad Ali one, but there's a lot of buildings downtown have these. That's kind of fun. It is really kind of, they're really cool looking. Um, so they created a fund for and raised $8,000 to make one of Alberta. And it hangs, so on October 9th, 2017, the banner was revealed to family, friends, city officials, and onlookers. Um, and it hangs from the River City Bank building. Um, so oh. she's able to kind of look over her city. Um, her city and and I think that's a really cool not having it and having it be unsolved this is a really cool tribute to her because yes. this woman was a badass and the actions of three chicken shits I mean that's the only word that you can possibly come up potentially with. three allegedly three yeah um the fact that she did so many amazing things and these people um just kind of snuff that light out just it makes me sick so, but even though it's unsolved, I think it was an incredibly important case to cover. Yes. Because it's important to get her name. Her name needs to be on the lips of anybody, anybody and everybody at this point. Um, because it's just it's just tragic. Yeah. So, okay. So you okay with the unsolvedness? No, I'm not, because even more now I feel like she needs justice. Imagine how she would be fighting for yeah. someone in that situation. Imagine how at just 34 years old, what she had already accomplished. So give her another 10 years, how would Kentucky itself have been different? Yeah. Well, not to mention 10 years, but we're talking the 60s and 70s, yes. where it is all about, you know, breaking rules. And I know. feel that she would have been leading the forefront on civil rights, yeah. on- She would have her bar burning. Yes. Yes. No, she would have been there. Yeah. Um, I, I just can't even give her 20 years and the she would have taken over the country. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, like I said, I, I just think it was incredibly important, and I mean, the, important. the Hell House would have been fun, and maybe I'll still cover that in the future, but, yeah, this one was, this one was, it spoke the most of, you know, the, the cases we want to get out there. Yes, yeah, love it, so, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. You're welcome. So, we're going to talk about the fun and funky things that we've got going on? I don't think we should talk about them too much. I think we should just say that we have some changes coming. Big changes. Yes. Um, in nine months, Jimmy's gonna have no. <laughs> Not only no, but hell no. <laughs> to the podcast. Yes. Um, we are going to release our next season on mm -hmm. September 6th. So we're switching to releasing on Tuesdays. Yep. And then we're making some other big changes that we're really excited about. Um, like I said before, we've listened to your feedback. We've we love hearing about uh, the cases that you guys want us to do, yep. your feedback about the podcast, how funny we are, because we think we're hilarious. Our moms think we're hilarious. Yes, we do. Our moms endorse it. <laughs> the only feedback we've got is from our moms, but we're going to take <laughs> at least At least your mom. My mom hasn't responded, but one out of two moms. Not bad. Yes. <laughs> so I wonder what she's going to think of my anaconda dance. I'll probably, my mom is It's your mom. mom. My mom is oh, really good. He looks really good in the spandex. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be the new and you tell of our podcast. I like yeah, it. Talk about a crime. I mean, that's just... <laughs> yes. No. The new name of our podcast will be Crimes and More Crimes. 
friends and friends and friends. So, and for our real estate friends, we are not going anywhere. We still love real estate. We still, yes. um, we we're just, still buying, selling, investing, short selling, transaction coordinating. We are still very involved. In you name it, we can we can do it with our eyes closed. But we just are we're switching up our format a little bit. So it's um it's it's fine. Stay so, tuned. So yes. we're gonna take a little bit of break. Yep. Get everything tightened up, ready to go, change. Yep. I will make one more announcement about we are going to be going to a weekly segment. Yes. So that's one of the big, that's, that's a little teaser we'll give you guys. Mm -hmm. We're going to be going weekly. So every Tuesday. We listen to you. Yes. And our moms. And our moms. <laughs> Thanks, moms. So you guys have a great couple of weeks, I guess four weeks now. So we'll be back bigger and better. And mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. See you More edgy, more attitudinal. Yes, because we yeah. are officially teens. So at least for the next what, eighteen, we'll start evening out a little bit. So we're going to be all rebellious for the next couple episodes. I don't know. I feel like we're going to start letting our sass fly a little more. Yes, you and I both are full of sass. I don't know if five episodes. Not of Alberta sass, but we can be no, no. She's. We're not that sort of force. Yes, she's. We're just. We're a sarcastic force. We're not a change the landscape of the city. Again, I feel so inadequate. Look what she's done. <laughs> I'm older than she was. I know. And I still have to think, let's do Lucy Bernie tiny. <laughs> you think Alberta had to think that? No. 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 She was like changing tires. Yes. And she was out there putting prosthetics on men who that are saving dogs. That are saving dogs. She probably lifted the train <laughs> up. <laughs> you saved Holky Stubby. And his dog. And his dog. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Alberta, we love you. Yes. All right. Have a great couple weeks. We'll see you September 6th. See ya. Bye.